0: Welcome to an exciting forum of alternative viewpoints and balanced ideas. This is Good Morning Canada with Nav and Nav. That's Nav C and Nav M. Confused? Don't be, because two halves always become one. Now join us for an energized hour of global viewpoints and shared ideas, only for you. Now, here are your hosts, Nav and Nav.
1: Hello and welcome to Good Morning Canada. I'm your host, Navem, and it's great to be back for another hour of alternative views and lively discussion with today's most inspiring guests. Firstly, a very happy Thanksgiving to everyone listening on the Voice America Network. My starting point for this episode is a short introduction on the Canadian-born musical legend Leonard Cohen, a truly towering figure in the realm of literature and songwriting. He brought clarity and insight to those who listened to his music and read his poems and novels. His artistic achievements are remarkable, to say the least. Over the course of his life, Cohen published 12 books, including two novels, 10 poetry collections. He released 14 studio albums and eight live albums. And over a recording career, which spanned five decades, he was inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame in 1991, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2008, received five Juno Awards, a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award, and he was also awarded Canada's Top Honour in 2003 when he was made Companion to the Order of Canada. At the time of his death in 2016, then-Canadian Heritage Minister Melanie Jolie commented, he was one of our musical geniuses. Anybody that's interested in music knows Leonard Cohen. It's like knowing the Beatles. Leonard Cohen was born in Montreal, Quebec in 1934, and he graduated from McGill University with a degree in English literature in 1955. His initial focus was poetry and fiction, but he was unable to support himself as a writer. So he turned to music in the late 1960s, and eventually his path took him to settlement in Los Angeles. And throughout his career, he was known for re-examining the human condition, exploring themes of love, sorrow, death, writing songs about war, religion, politics, loneliness, and much, much more. His musical impact has often been compared to Bob Dylan because of his poetic license and unorthodox pop star image. He had a narrow, deep bass voice, which became pronounced over time, and he emphasized very simple melodies accompanied by the intense imagery and depths of his lyrics. His most popular song came in the form of the 1984 single, Hallelujah, which has been covered by over 300 artists, including Bob Dylan, Katie Lang, and Justin Timberlake. And another striking feature of Cohen's career was his ability to present various sides to his creative personality. And to some, he was a modernist poet or a novelist. To others, he was an iconic singer-songwriter at diverse ends of the literary spectrum. But interestingly, few people remember his ties to Nashville, Tennessee, and the time he spent there in the late 1960s. Indeed, Cohen was a definitive Americana artist, years before the Nashville-based genre even coined its name recording some of his most influential and groundbreaking music there. And the theme of Americana is closely linked to my guest today, because not only was Cohen one one of her earliest musical inspirations, but she's also thoroughly grounded in Americana from an early stage in her career, while also fully versed in a variety of other music styles, such as country, gospel, jazz, and vintage pop. She is indeed the personification of Americana, and she's been described as the Dutch diva. Sue Moreno, welcome to Good Morning Canada.
2: Well, thank you. And I like to say a very happy Thanksgiving to all listeners here in Voice America.
1: Thank you, Sue. Yes, indeed, it is Thanksgiving, but we are in conversation with Sue Moreno, and there's Mm -hmm. so much to talk about over the course of this interview. Firstly, congratulations on the release of your new album, The Memphis Soul Sessions, Songs of of Love and Faith, which was released on November the 1st. Mm -hmm. And this album follows the release of your single, I'm Here, in 2020. And I'd like to start by asking you if you could describe the personal and professional journey over the past two or three years in, in bringing this particular project to fruition.
2: Yeah, well, um, um, a beautiful introduction, by the way, for uh, Leonard Um, and I, um, the first single that we talked about last year, I'm Here, uh, it was the very first uh, to come off of my album. And in order to keep things rolling, um, there were three more singles released until the release of, of my full album. And um, it's just a lot of things happened before I decided to go to America to make a new record. Um, it, I I lost both my parents um, uh, very young of age. And um, I, you know, after trying to cope with all the hurt and pain and missing, um, I thought it was time for me to put all my emotion to music and to head back to, uh, to America, because that's where, you know, my music comes from where I feel it most. And, um, and I, I decided that I really wanted to make the most personal album and, um, and so I, I worked in Nashville before and I contacted the studio there and they were uh, actually moving to Memphis. Um, just also because I needed some time to, you know, we never worked together before. I, we put together an amazing band of, of wonderful um, legendary musicians. Um, it was very hard to, uh, to find a studio that actually... Um, understood what I wanted to, you know, because it's a very different vibe recording in America with these people and the engineers there, and to find the studio here. Okay. Um,
1: so Sue, so you mentioned the um, th- that very painful process, and this is something we'll mm-hmm. we'll, we'll return to um, later on in the interview. But mm-hmm. um, there's a vast spectrum of musical genres. Um, this album and Mm -hmm. let me just quickly go through some of the songs and so how he left wasn't right um this this has to be my personal favorite it's just a throwback to the swinging 60s it's a very upbeat tempo yeah just to the door this has a very heavy jazz influence and and when i listen to this i have to say this this sounded to me like a, a a trailer straight out of a james bond movie um, so, <laughs> so if there's any executives listening in Pinewood Studios, please contact Sue Moreno. Um, and <laughs> moving on, uh, there was a, a Let's Rejoice, We Come Into This House. Uh, these are both gospel songs and mm-hmm. devoted to you. This is Pure Americana. So my question is, um, from all of this diverse range of um, uh, artistic uh, achievement um, that, you, that you produced on this album? Is there one song which which really stands out for you as a personal statement?
2: Yeah, first of all, I'd like to say that uh, like a variety of styles has really always been my thing. Um, I grew up listening to a lot of different styles of music and uh, I, I like to play around with it. And also for live shows, I find it pretty crucial Uh to keep it, you know, keep it interested, and it's called "My Angel Watches Over Me."
1: Okay, and okay.
2: that's because of the personal connection there. I, but also "Let's Rejoice" is a a, a song um, because it's my uh, it's an up tempo '60s style gospel song.
3: Right, like the whole
2: album right. is like a '60s vibe, but yeah. pulled into okay. the now.
1: While we're on this the same um, topic of uh, production and recording, just give us mm-hmm. a, a quick indication because w- when I listened to the album, the first thing that struck me was the sheer clarity of the sound. And just uh-huh. uh, quickly tell us how, how did you achieve such a clean and flawless sound?
2: Well, thank you. <laughs> um, it was recording in in uh, in Memphis in a huge analog studio, and it was all vintage equipment and amps so, that. That was used before, like Studio B, RCA Studio B, and even the uh, the console board was from the Grand Ole Opry. Right. And uh, I, I think all of that really attributes to warm and fresh sound. And so what I what I talked about before, uh, finishing the album in, in Holland here um, with a little detour, Finding the Right Studio, um, they also used, uh, the vintage equipment and the engineers have really understood what I wanted to put across with this music and because it's so American and it's so.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, let, let's move on, Sue. So a- as we proceed through the course of this interview, I'd like to use um, the starting point, which was Leonard Cohen, as as a context yeah. to explore the lyrical themes in your new album, which are essentially about love and faith, hope and despair, Light and dark, there's so many different uh, themes mm-hmm. going on there, and as well, I'd like to compare some overlapping life experiences with Cohen. But firstly, I'd like to get a better understanding of your present situation as a recording artist. Um, so where do you think you are at this particular stage of your career?
2: Um, well, I, I can say that I'm, I'm super proud of this album because it's so personal, and because in the end due to the circumstances we're in. um, I I did everything myself. And there's really a lot involved in uh, making and producing and arranging an album. So in general, I learned a lot about the process.
1: And what what other uh, uh, thought process come into your mind right now? Because Obviously, you know you've talked about the journey over the last two to three mm-hmm. years, uh, the the, um, yeah. the personal um, crises that you've been through, but mm-hmm. uh, in in terms of looking forward, how how do you um, how do you evaluate the situation right now in terms of, of being um, an independent artist?
2: Um, well, everything. Is it, everything has just been really different from what I would have done? And you know, normally uh, you would talk to a label, or you you know find um, distributors. And but because everything is well, there's no live shows possible, so yeah, labels weren't really interested. And I ended up doing everything myself and uh, setting up my own label. And then uh, because I was still wondering when would it be possible and um, we decided to release um, three more singles after I'm here just to keep it going right and that was picked up pretty well but that's all online of course and I also think um, um, of course it's possible to do shows on you know over stream and everything but it's so different and I think
1: Correct.
2: Uh, music really is about connecting and com- connecting hearts and especially when the songs are about love and faith. And um, for me, music is for sharing and enjoying together and uh, really feeling that energy.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so just let's just clarify so what what is the situation right now in in uh, in the Netherlands in terms of um being able to uh, perform as an artist um so just give us a a, a, a quick indication of that
2: uh well it's pretty bad <laughs> um there's actually uh, well, I decided to release my album anyway because I wanted to get the message out.
3: Right.
2: But right now it's it's not possible to tour. Um, even if it were, there's like waiting lines for all the canceled shows for theaters and everything. So you have to like stand all the way <laughs> in line before you would even have a, a possibility to do a, a theater show. But uh apart from that, they introduced the fax Passports here. And for me, that's such a creation of apartheid. And, and uh, I just don't want to be um, part of that. I don't want to participate in a, in a society where you exclude people on their medical choices. And uh, so that's that's pretty hard. But, um, you know, when, when all that stops, I, like to think of different possibilities where you know you have to embrace the changes in order to keep going. And um so I'm I'm really focusing on smaller shows now with right musicians and
1: uh and this seems to be such a Uh, a tragedy sue because um it's -hmm. affected it's affected your industry so much like no other because
2: yeah from day one
1: exactly so you thrive on this basically Uh, and and this this is a point that we will come we'll touch on later on but um Mm -hmm. it's just that this idea of uh, exclusion seems to be so dominant right now um affecting the music industry so much so um Mm -hmm. You know, just just give people
2: your, in in general, because I think it's you know, for me, it's clear that it's not about health and yeah. um, the way how you know everything that that is there to give to you know the human connection,
3: correct, and uh.
2: to have nice outings and to be to really connect with each other. Yeah, that's all made impossible.
1: No, then- I, t- I totally agree, um, and and this this is such an interesting point the, what you've just mentioned there, because um, this is uh, something uh, it just just reminded me when, when you said when you brought up this issue of uh, exclusion, and it reminded mm-hmm. me of a, of a lyric in in another very famous uh, Canadian rock band, Rush, and they had a very famous mm-hmm. song uh, subdivisions and, and one of the lines in the chorus was conform or be cast out and it just seems to yeah. sum up everything that you've just oh, said oh
2: exactly yeah that's so true
1: so let's move on to because we've got again we've got so much to cover um, so yes. when we look when we look back at Co- uh, leonard cohen's life um, mm-hmm. i see so much overlap between his early life experiences mm-hmm. and your own journey over the last 2 to 3 years so for instance cohen lived Uh, for two years in a remote cabin outside of Nashville in the late 60s, where he worked on very famous songs like Bird on the Wire and A Famous Blue Raincoat. And Mm -hmm. the interesting thing is you also lived in Nashville to record this album in 2019. But more importantly, you've also been working remotely uh, due to these uh, COVID events. And I'd like to get your thoughts on this overlapping experience uh, with Cohen in terms of remoteness and solitude and h- how it's affected you as an artist
2: when you're in solitude i think that's why you really get in touch with your own light and power which is Correct. god within yourself yeah and and, and reconcile yeah. with your experience
1: and-, and and these these are such um Remarkably unique points that you've mentioned, um, because they're they're so um, they're so powerful. These emotions, and oh, yeah. again, mm-hmm. again, I'd like to uh, bring our context in here. Um, so, before Leonard Cohen moved to a remote area of Nashville in the late sixties, he himself uh, was struggling, like yourself. Um, mm-hmm with what you've described, he was struggling with emotional pain after making his first album. And he spent seven years on the Greek island of Hydra, which was, uh, this period was a very dark and somber period for him. And later he said that this period had almost wiped him out. And I quote, anybody who has flipped and survived knows the ecstasy and the hallucination of the planets, the endless force, Mm -hmm. life and God. And mm-hmm. it's, it's an amazing quote. And my, yeah, question, my question is this. Um, do you feel that your personal struggle was something that almost wiped you out?
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, like I said before, it, w- it was quite, um, I faced many problems um, to make and, and finally finish my album and putting it out and promoting it and everything involved with it. Um, having done al- almost everything myself. It was quite challenging, um, also because of the times we live in, and um, you need lots of uh, perseverance to to go on. And um, yeah. but I think uh, it's very yeah. really important to, have, to let go of your fears to yeah. master yeah. that. And
1: I'd like to just pick up on, uh, very briefly on this same point um, because mm-hmm. uh, again. Um, so let, let's refer back to um, Cohen's career. So uh, Sylvie Simmons, who was Cohen's biographer, she mm-hmm. said of his uh, of that very um, crucial period in Nashville, she said this, I don't know if it was necessarily a time in which Leonard found himself. It was more like where he got lost. So listening to that, do you think that you found yourself over the past two years?
2: Um. That's a pretty deep quote, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have to let that one sink in. <laughs> It's a deep
1: question as well.
2: Yeah. Um, I really believe um, that we're here uh, on this planet to refine ourselves, where we really are, and to reconnect with the soul and the spirit. And that it's not the outside or the ego what what counts but really the inside
3: right and Mm -hmm. um
2: okay
1: so hold that thought sue because we're coming up to a short break now and the studio will very kindly play a short clip from uh, the song that that you cherish the most on on the album Mm -hmm. which is my angel watches over me and Mm -hmm. much more to come in the next segment see you very soon
3: Shores
0: Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning Canada with Nav and Nav. To find out more about us and the ideas behind our show, visit our website at gmc-radio.com. That's gmc-radio.com. Now, back to Good Morning Canada.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Good Morning Canada with Nav M. It's great to have your company. We are in conversation with Sue Moreno. Welcome Thank back, you Sue. For having me. Welcome back. Thank you. So, Sue, we talked about some very um, intimate and some personal struggles in the in the last uh, segment. So, I'd like to move on now and focus on your creative process as an artist. And mm-hmm. Leonard Cohen once said. It begins with an appetite to discover my self-respect, to redeem the day so the day does not go down in debt. And this is such a wonderful quote. And from your point of view, does the lyric, uh, I'd I'd like to get an idea of your creative process. Does the lyric precede the song? How does it work?
2: Well, that really depends um, because very often I have an idea in mind and start writing music to that for me it can it can go either way right sometimes i have words and music (laughs) in my head at the same time and just depends really
1: okay and and many um commentators uh in the music industry they they've described the creative process as a path shrouded in mystery um so how true is this what are your thoughts and in in your view uh, and in your process, what guides you towards creating a more tangible outcome? Well,
2: sometimes it just seems to be flowing, right? And sometimes it's like in my head when I wake up, and there's absolutely more involved in the creative process. Yeah, like uh, some sort of guidance or sudden input from above or something.
1: <laughs> right,
2: it's definitely a lot of a lot of mystery there.
1: Yeah, and and this is interesting because Cohen was renowned for uh, discarding entire verses, and and he was unique. Um, mm-hmm. Coming back to your own process, how much do you actually focus on editing and re-editing? In a, in other words, um, focusing on the process mm-hmm. as opposed as opposed to an outcome.
2: Um, you can just go on and on with the process, and um, I think to what extent that 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 is possible. It depends on many things, you know, even, you know, budget and agreements and (laughs) when a song needs to be ready. Um, It's always, uh, but I, I, I know, um, I think it was about Hallelujah or so that Leonard really, I mean, that it took him years to finish that.
1: Correct. Absolutely. Different artists have different methods, but do you keep a notebook, a little, you know, a, a jotter or something like that. So if an idea comes into your head, you just quickly write it down or, do, you know, yeah. do you put it into your phone or something like that. How 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 does it work for you?
2: Yeah, both. And it just depends on what I have nearby. And yeah. these days it's easy to record on the phone or if you have an idea or I just, you know, maybe sing a melody and then work it out later.
1: Yeah, okay. So that um, it, it's a very fluid process uh, for you.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Okay. So um, let's just quickly move on. I'd like to focus on your view of artistic inspiration. Again, it's it's a similar. The, these um, themes just seem to overlap so much. But there's mm-hmm. a great there's a great quote by Cohen in which he says, "One is distracted by this notion that there is such a thing as inspiration." And what are your thoughts on that? Um,
2: what do you mean? by by being in nashville by being, yes
1: yes exactly
2: um to just let go of the ordinary and the things that you know uh to to be out there and to really focus on music and a creative process that's something else because it, not being distracted
1: and, absolutely absolutely yeah. so I, I i think the way you've described that is is um is very is very nice um, because you know you've brought it down to a very personal level. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to move on now to to a slightly different topic, and and that's the idea that artists in the contemporary era have to be multifaceted. And and I know you have a a, a lot of um, experience in this particular area, but th- there's no doubt that Leonard Cohen had a vast array of skills and. Similarly, you also have a, a vast skill set because, um, first of all, you're a multilinguist. Uh, you're a singer, a writer, entertainer, model, actress, nutritionist. You've done so many things. It's such a long, yeah. long list. And
3: mm-hmm.
1: in today's music industry, just give us an idea what, to what extent do new and existing artists have to wear so-called different hats to support themselves?
2: Well, for me, I've I've really always felt that it was important to focus on every aspect of the performing arts as a singer. Yeah. Like uh, in in the 50s and 60s, it was more or less expected from any professional to to be able to sing and dance and act and do all these things. Right. Um, For me, well, the main focus is on music, but for me, it's all part of, uh, the package of being an artist
1: yeah, yeah. because because it is is such is such a complex area such a huge area um, mm-hmm. but but do you think that nowadays um, is this a, a trend uh, if you want to call it that is this true only of independent artists or does it occur at mainstream level as well?
2: For me it's like a part of the whole thing I, I like to, think about the appearance on stage and not just go and that everybody, you know, like, picks their own stuff and go on stage in a, in jeans and a T-shirt or, for example, it's just not my thing. And I think to be able – I mean, dancing and, and um, acting is such a big part of, of the whole performing
1: arts. Yeah. Let's look at – uh, another area now, let, so let, let's just focus on uh, the major issues which are facing recording artists. Mm-hmm. And what I'd like to draw your attention to is essentially what is the, the elephant in the room um, when it comes to the music industry. Um, mm-hmm. What I mean by this is the, the influence of the internet and we know, for instance, that it's completely revolutionized the, the business model of the music industry. For instance, oh, yeah. ye- years ago, uh, it was radio airplay, which determined uh, the long-term success of artists. And and nowadays, it's all about landing on the right Spotify playlist to mm-hmm. get visibility, exposure, et cetera. So my question is this, to what extent... Uh, do you think that musicians need to become entrepreneurs to to actually bid for these these tech spots as if you want to call it that?
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: well, I think when the streaming industry came to be that that's pretty killing for the music business. Um, there's hardly any money uh, to be made from streaming. And it's it's almost for free out there,
3: Right. so
2: of course it's good for you know advertising if you want to call it that. But um, and people just hardly buy any physical product anymore unless you can do live shows, which is not possible today.
1: Um, let's let's return to a- another key issue, which um, w- where we're discussing this uh, issue of streaming, and mm-hmm. let's look at the the glaring inequities which have been created by these um, major streaming platforms. And uh, in particular, I'm referring to the royalties and the broader share of the industry. And I'd like to Mm -hmm. just uh, quickly draw your attention to some figures. So according to a 2018 Citigroup report, recording artists received only 12% of the $43 billion that the music industry generated in 2017 yeah uh, uh, it is pretty shocking i mean when when i <laughs> it is. when i came across okay. this report and the yeah. thing that uh, that the, the thing that stands out is just there seems to be an inverse relationship here because if music mm-hmm. streaming is being consumed that's what's happening music the streaming mm-hmm. process is being consumed at a much greater rate but artists are taking home only a tiny share of the, of the pot mm-hmm. so the question is this so if concerts and live shows are still not an option, as you've already discussed, um, how are the vast majority of artists supposed to make a viable career?
2: <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> it's uh, difficult because
1: yeah,
2: um, doing live shows and selling physical albums on tour was my main income, as we discussed before. Yeah, but now it's made impossible. Um, um, but I regret even more so, like, um, to, to, that, that to destroy that connection to the heart, to, to have the live shows. And now everything, you know, everything with computers is so distant, you know. For me also, streaming is, is also, it's been going on for, for a while. And um, for me, it's also clear of uh, that it's, it's also part of an agenda being pushed. Right. For a while, wow. to have everything digital and controlled and out of your hands, um, but then, of course, at the same time, is like the narrative is that it's for the better.
1: Yeah, but you've mentioned it's so in- many, so many interesting points there, and and we'll mm-hmm. we'll try to we'll try to come back to those in the next few minutes. But let's. Um, let, let's go back to Cohen, Cohen for a minute. And
3: mm-hmm.
1: a, again, we're, we're talking about when we're talking about streaming, we're we're talking about essentially um, a, a very short-term approach to music. Um, and and you mentioned this in terms of the uh, the vinyls because um, there's a connection there, there's a deep connection, a very long-term connection. So. Cohen mm-hmm. also shared a very similar view. He he emphasized the process um, as opposed to the outcome. And I quote yeah. from Cohen, I always had the sense of being in this for keeps. I never had the sense that there was an end, that there was a retirement or a, or a jackpot. And again, what he's re- talking about here is his advice was about perseverance, the fact that Artists should follow yeah. an idea right through to the end and and it's again something that comes up over and over again with Cohen quality over quantity
2: yeah and and that's that's so great about him too
1: yeah and um and it but essentially just summarizes what 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 you've just said um so some of those really really interesting points and this focus on on the short term leads me to my next point, which is essentially um uh, again, it's similar, but how how much money do musicians actually make on Spotify? And and I think it's so interesting, and I think it's so important for the audience to actually understand this because to yeah. earn to earn one dollar, mm-hmm. um, to earn one dollar, an artist has to generate around two hundred and fifty streams. And l- let's take the biggest um, streaming platform, po- Spotify. They pay artists only. 0.0033 cents per stream so gets it, it really, even less <laughs> yeah um that's, I think it also
2: depends on even even the uh, provider that you're with
1: correct correct <laughs> so the but
2: more people that are in between uh, so many profiteers along the way
1: yeah um and yeah you're absolutely right there because um the the, uh, the remuneration seems to get less every single year and mm-hmm. and and what we see is that um this focus on playlists um um that we that we discussed earlier, I mean, this requires a huge amount of research and relationship building with curators, and there's no guarantee of success. And in, in your view, um, Sue, do you mm-hmm. think this is a realistic option for most artists, or is it just a waste of time?
2: Um, well, it's a pretty dishonest situation, that's for sure, and, and a lot of people don't realize. And um people don't realize how much is (laughs) what a, what a process it is to even create and, you know, record a song and everything involved.
1: Yeah. Um, So in light of all this that we've discussed about Spotify, the short-term view uh, streaming platforms, do you think that long-term record deals are, are now becoming a thing of the past?
2: Yeah, I don't, I think what he, what he, also is, um, uh, and what I believe too is there's actually no way that you can stop creativity if you you know if you feel it, um, it's inside of you.
1: What you've mentioned uh-huh. there, Sue. What you've mentioned there is is um, absolutely just hits the nail on the head because. Um, in the past, recording artists, I believe that they, they had much more time mm-hmm. to, grow, to grow and experiment. And, yeah. and, and, and this is interesting because I, I recently watched an interview with uh, Gene Simmons of KISS and he commented uh-huh. on this exact point that years ago, um, the artists were allowed to mature d- during that process. Yeah. Uh, and, and this ties uh-huh. in with what, what you just said about cre- creativity, but that just doesn't seem to be happening yeah. now. Let's move on now. We we know that live shows constitute the the biggest revenue stream. We've already established that during this interview, but the COVID Mm -hmm. situation has essentially, um, as you've rightly pointed out, robbed artists of their main source of revenue. Um, Mm -hmm. So perhaps you could elaborate on this. Can you give us an idea of how much this has affected you on a personal level? Uh, Well,
2: it's affected me big time because, of course. When there are no shows, that it's very difficult to promote a new album because that's, uh, in fact, very often you release singles, then you tour, and more or less at the end of the tour, the album comes out. And uh, it's just uh, ridiculous how everything's just been pushed down from, from well, my last tour I did was um, in 2020. Right. In... in- in march just before the lockdown happened and that's it you know and it's really weird and we have to find our own um ways to to keep keep it going and to keep on creating and writing and like i said that even though right now it's not possible to um to promote my album the way i wanted it even with the, the guys ha- coming over from America and to do some nice shows over here, you know, it's all not, not possible and got to smart them out, you know, I got to be smarter than that.
1: Okay. So, so, so this brings me on to a, a, another very, very interesting point now, because um, again, there's so much overlap here, but in
3: mm-hmm. the
1: fi- final part of our discussion, I, I, I'd like to turn to the modern concept of what's been called instant gratification. And in the contemporary era what we see is that music is so closely tied to instant visual appeal through a very dominant platform such as instagram and mm-hmm. uh, and surely you will attest to this that an artist following is essentially directed more towards social media and again it ties in with these uh, the, the discussion that we had about a short term a very short term approach um, mm-hmm. And what we see is the situation becomes even more complex due to the rise of platforms such as TikTok and Reels, where essentially bedroom artists in the privacy of the home can create instant visuals, storylines, and quick <laughs> choruses to grab attention. So uh, there's so much to discuss here, but I'd like to focus, um, firstly, other likes of Instagram and TikTok, are they displacing long-term artists? And Eroding their importance, perhaps?
2: Um, well, there's just so much going on on social media, and it's all such a snap uh, experience. Right. Um, and, and so disconnected from the heart yep. and soul. And it's just being pushed so hard. And I, I don't think there's any anything really social about social media (laughs) i think it's it's really you know you only it's it's so um uh well like a almost like a fake world sometimes it's
1: it's, it's anti-social media
2: (laughs) yeah that's that's actually what i call it sometimes (laughs) you you have to be more or less have to be on it as an artist too because that's today they well they made it uh more or less the way to promote yourself and to promote your music and people love to check out what you do, what you like and where you're performing of course but um I uh, because of all that I'm, I'm also looking into new platforms and, and different ways and I'm really focusing on the connection to real people and you know even like house concerts or right. stuff like uh-huh. that you know to Because that's, to me, that's exactly what music is about. It's not about being there on a computer and and checking music on a computer. It's about... um,
1: The experience.
2: Yeah, the experience and connecting hearts.
1: Yeah, and and I think, um, and this brings me uh, very neatly to my next point, because um, do you think that musicians and recording artists, essentially in, in the contemporary era, have been relegated to essentially content creators just constantly churning out eye-catching material, you know, to, to stay relevant. What, what are your thoughts on that?
2: I actually came to realize the past year and a half that there are so many different ways. And it's not about uh, what we discussed before. Also, it's all, this is so much outside and fakeness and yeah. um, to, to stay in the, the pureness of music and again the heart connection is to step away from that and uh uh it's just very important to to go in inside yourself and really feel and uh in in order to go on with what's happening today yeah i think i understand
1: what you're saying because essentially you're referring to the um that connection, that experience, that purity. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I have to ask you to hold that thought, Sue, because um, I, I'll, I have to wrap up now with some final remarks. Mm-hmm. And to conclude this episode, I'd like to return to one of Cohen's most famous lyrics taken from his 1992 song, Anthem. And mm-hmm. it remains what is perhaps the most telling message for the dark and troubled times that we find ourselves in. Cohen states... Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. And this stems from an ongoing theme in Cohen's life and work and and one which he revisited in various songs. And and that is the idea of brokenness. And what we see Mm -hmm. is an introspectiveness and melancholy to Cohen's lyrics that reminds us that humanity was never designed to be perfect because it's our flaws that make us relatable. It's our downfalls, our losses, and our scars, which allow us to essentially aim for perfection, but we do this through a process of imperfection. And Leonard Cohen's lyrics are even more relevant today in a rapidly changing world brought about by COVID events. And we're reminded of this daily of the imperfections all around us in the form of lockdowns and exclusions. And interestingly, mm-hmm. in, a, in a radio interview in 1992, he states, and I quote, the future is no excuse for an abdication of your personal responsibilities towards yourself and your job and your love. And this is such an interesting viewpoint and um, because it coincides with my own personal views. And, and that's The political forum never was and never will be the place to make things perfect because what we see is that perpetual cycles of life and death remind us that perfection is an unattainable goal and for me the abiding message of cohen is that everything is essentially imperfect and that new beginnings can only be achieved through confronting the brokenness of things and Interestingly, what we see yourself, uh, uh, Sue, as an artist, um, Sue Moreno has managed to channel Cohen's concept of duality into her new album, the Memphis Soul Sessions, but mm-hmm. in a more positive and uplifting way, because she has chosen to focus on Cohen's other key themes of love and faith, light and darkness, enlightenment Mm -hmm. versus ignorance and the virtues of knowledge, justice, wisdom, and truth. So I'd like to give Mm -hmm. the last few words to Sue. Uh, How would the listeners find you on the internet and how can we order the new album?
2: Well, thank you. That was a beautiful, uh, those were beautiful words. Um, You can find, my work through my website i think that's that will be the best way to uh that's suemoreno.com okay my cd is available there but also downloads as well and all you know it's on on all streaming platforms as well of course but it works best to go straight to my website
1: and wonderful (laughs) um so that wraps up this interview and Many thanks to the audience for listening to Good Morning Canada today. A big, big thank you to my special guest, Sue Moreno. Please take the time to to support our independent artists and listen to her new album, The Memphis Soul Sessions. And um, see you soon, Sue. And thank you to everyone. I'll see you next time, Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern. Bye for now.
0: Thank you for listening to Good Morning Canada. Please join NAVC and NAVM for another great program next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you soon.